welcome to Star Wars The New Era Podcast. I'm your host, Ed, and with me, as every episode so far, is my counter-host, Levi. Levi, how are you tonight? I'm good, Ed. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just so you folks that are listening to this for perhaps the first time know, because you should know, (laughs) this is one of the few places that you will find new canon for the Star Wars Empire outside the movies themselves. Yep. There's a handful of novels that have come out, and of course there's always more on the schedule. Um, There are some kids' books that actually have added some uh, poignant pieces to the story that work if you're interested in digging that deeply for them. Hmm. And there's the comic books from Marvel slash Disney. That's what we talk about. The comic books. So that's what you'll get here. Tonight, the comic books will be the Chewbacca miniseries, which was five issues long. Mm -hmm. Before that, let me throw out some uh, way to goes. It would normally be attaboys, but I don't know that these are all males, so we'll, True enough. we'll, we'll throw out way to goes. Uh, the first one goes to Martin Gregg, who liked the page on Google Plus since the last episode, as well as a couple individuals that have liked the page on Facebook. One is Daniela Romero. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. The other person's name according to the English rules that I have grown up with, is unpronounceable by me. (laughs) However, the person, I believe, is male, and what he has on Facebook is B-I-O-R-E-K-C space C-I-D space P-C-H. I cannot begin to wrap my Anglo Western tongue around that, so I don't know what that is. But if you do listen to the show... You will recognize your spelling, so there you go. Thank you. (laughs) That's true. So thank you. We appreciate you. Yes. Thank you very much. All righty. Chewbacca 1 through 5. Yes. Now, as so far, all of the miniseries that have been commissioned, uh, the same creative team managed to work on the whole thing. This was written by, I believe it's Jerry Dugan, G-E-R-R-Y. Could be Gary but I believe it's Jerry. The artist was Phil Noto, and the letters were Joe Caramagna. Now, every time we talk about a group of books, particularly if it's the same group of books, like a miniseries, mm-hmm. I ask and uh, ask first out of, out of courtesy, of course, and uh, then after state my opinion concerning what our favorite cover was of the books we've talked about. Now, mm-hmm. Every episode of the podcast so far, they have been all of the same book. Yes. Ultimately, when we catch up, there will be a bit more variety because we will be talking about, hopefully, all the books that came out in a particular month, which could be four or five each being a different title. So Mm -hmm. that'll be kind of a little bit more interesting as far as favorite cover. Same concept, Mm -hmm. though, of course. So, Levi, this five issues, all dealing with Chewbacca. Did you have a favorite cover, and what was yours? Uh, well, I'm glad I, you asked me that way. Did I have a favorite? I did not. Okay. I did not. Uh, I actually was not impressed with the art on the covers of any of the five. Okay. 
personally, I thought that they were a little soft and cartoony almost. Okay. And just didn't appeal to me in any way. Let me see. They said in the book, and I don't see anybody. Yeah, Phil Noto also did the covers. I guess for each book, so that's well, the same. That's yeah, the same his, guy that did the interior art. His um, name is um, skillfully put on every cover in some location. So oh oh, is it oh, okay? I didn't look yeah. at the cover. I, I usually just try to look it up because so many artists don't put it on the cover. Uh yeah okay. On the first one here, it's pretty obvious. Okay. Yep, and then the second one is behind her. The third one is by her right leg on the left side there. Um, fourth one is between the droid's feet, and the fifth one's pretty uh, noticeable, too. It's right there on the floor of um, Star Cruiser, or Death no, not Death Star, uh, Star Cruiser, or whatever it is that they were on in that one. Okay, right, right. Okay, now, I, on the other hand, went cover dipping. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because typically what I will do is when I post these episodes on the website, which I'll throw out now just for uh, completeness sake, but I'll throw out again at the end of the show, and I'll tell you why. Um, the website is bigtimenoise.com slash Star Wars. Now, the reason I'm saying it now is because when I post the episodes, I try to post every cover and every variant cover I have been able to find up until that time for the books that we talked about. Mm. Now, over time, I may go back if any new variants have been found or any um, subsequent printings, because each one of those will have its own cover. I mm. might go ahead and try to pull those and post them. Um, I haven't so far, because by the time we have posted these episodes probably 99% of the covers that we've talked about have also been exposed somewhere, somehow. So right. there's there's nothing to have to dig up. So in digging up the covers for Chewbacca, I found a cover that was an Alex Ross cover that had both a colored, which Alex Ross is known for his paintings, so it was a painted cover, uh, and his sketching of that cover. I guess, as part of the process. Um, so my favorite cover is the Alex Ross sketch variant cover, which is the G cover for issue one. Um, it'll be posted on the on the blog when I post the episode. And it is, um, it, it's just purdy in black and white. It's just a pencil sketch. Mm -hmm. um, but it is very, uh, I'm not used to seeing Alex Ross's intermediary steps. I, I'm only used to seeing his painted art. Mm -hmm. um, that's far and away what he's known for. And uh, even when he does books, on occasion he'll do a shorter series. He'll do the in interior art, and it's painted also. That's that's how he operates. So, mm -hmm. um, But that limited series usually takes a while to come out <laughs> because he paints it, and uh, I suppose that takes a longer time than just standard coloring or whatever. But it's it's a really cool cover. It's got uh, Chewie and Han. Han is kneeling kind of in the foreground, being shot at and shooting, because as we all know, Han shot first. Mm -hmm. And Chewie is standing behind him holding a, a bag of something, and on a brick wall over Chewie's shoulder, you see a wanted poster that has Han and Chewie's picture on it. 
very very cool cover. When uh, when you guys hear that the episode is out, venture over to the website and, and take a look at those covers. They're pretty cool. Alrighty, Levi, you ready to talk about some uh, Chewbacca books here, man? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty, we start. I say alrighty a lot. Sorry about that. This must be an alrighty night. Okay. Indeed. No, that's, Indeed. Yeah, that, that's coming from another show. I, I can't right. use it. We start the first issue by being introduced to Zaro, who we find out is the daughter of Arax, both of them on Andalim 4. That is our uh, first set of uh, protagonists and our uh, setting. And for the, for the first couple pages, we find out that um, there is something going on with with people in charge. Um, you don't necessarily know if they're local, if they're planetary, if they, you know what level or anything. But there's some some issues, particularly with Zaro's or uh, Arax's daughter. Uh, excuse me, Zaro's father, Arax. Wow. Sorry, the names are foreign, and <laughs> just having to remember them uh, kind of throws things off for me. Um, it, it, the thing that really struck me after the first several pages of the book, um, and this, Levi, is probably directed more to you, um, I'd really like to learn more about these beetles. Well, yeah, yeah, the uh, the ones that uh, secrete this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they they eat the rock? Do you figure that's why they're down there? Yeah, that's what I'm assuming is that um, they they consume the rock and excrete the substance that is so useful. Right. Uh, what in, what basically is being mined is uh, not the excrement, but the beetles because of, or actually the grubs of the beetles, because of what's inside them, I, I guess, having consumed the, the rocks uh, under the planet. Mm-hmm. And they they uh, can be particularly nasty, we find out here a little bit later on, too. Yeah, in the in the last issue, you find out um, they are not pleasant to be around. No, the beetles. The larvae the beetles. are easy enough to, to deal with and contain, but the beetles are quite a bit more persnickety. Mm-hmm. So I guess that would be the adult stage of, of this creature. Right. Uh, then next we switch to Chewie. Uh, we find out that he has crashed on the planet also. And he seems, from first introduction, just to be kind of chilling in a field of flowers. Uh, he's yep. kind of laid back, you know, hands behind his head, thinking Chewie thoughts, staring at the sky, I suppose. Um, while his ship, though, is running some sort of diagnostic. So it's it's not really that he's just not doing anything. He's just waiting for the ship to do what he's told it to do. Right. Ultimately, Chewie and Zaro cross paths. Um, well, not ultimately they cross paths and it, it sticks. But over the course of this first issue, they cross paths uh, multiple times, uh, interacting just tangentially really they're not peripherally yeah yeah they're not messing with each other they're not looking for each other they just seem a couple times to wind up at same places at same times right ultimately though she um having seen him a couple times now decides to ask chewy for help 
more than anything else, because she's really out of options, anybody that she knows either is too quiet or weak to help or is the people that she needs help against. So right. she, she runs out of, of candidates. Um, so here is this, you know, brand new person perhaps that is, he, he looks to be big and muscular, you know, perhaps he can help me uh, if I tell him my plight. So that's what she does. Everyone on the planet speaks either English or we're just given the translation, whichever. Mm-hmm. Chewie, though, speaks um, Wookiee. Wookie. Wookie. There, there was, I, was, I was thinking of the name of the planet, and I'm like, no, yeah, that's, that's not... That's not his name. Yeah, yeah Kashyyyk. So, um, so he speaks the the growls and the grunts and the barks and the, that we're familiar with from the show. Um, there's in, in this miniseries, there's never a translation. No. Uh, when we get to the end of the story of uh, the the books and, and kind of sum up our thoughts, I'll, I'll give my thoughts on why that was the case. Okay. And uh, but just guys, anytime we make a reference to anything that Chewie quote-unquote says, it's our interpretation as the readers based on probably Zaro's something she said or something she did. Mm-hmm. We don't know directly at all what Chewie says because we don't speak Wookiee, and they don't translate for us. Uh, we find out that Chewie... Um, Probably what led him to this area before whatever happened that crashed the ship is trying to deliver a package uh, somewhere right now. We don't know where. We do find out ultimately where that is, and I believe we find out what the package is too, don't we, Levi? You know what? Uh, it's been like a week since I – no, 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 we do. In, we in, the, exactly in the fifth it. issue there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, think, yeah okay. Yeah. I thought I remembered a camera shot of either overhead him reaching in or after he has pulled something out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we also find out that the person who is causing the grief, uh, his name is Jom. He's uh, an overseer of the – turns out the mine that Zaro works in also as a, as a child laborer, but that her dad – Arax is kind of the uh, speaker for the minor peoples, and that's M I N E R, not O R. The the folks that are working with these beetles down underground. He speaks for them. Uh, Zaro is his daughter, and Jom is the uh, what mine owner, I guess you would say. Um, well, he is definitely one that owns the mine. I would call him a uh, gangster personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he he certainly turns out to be that, we find, yeah. He is working ultimately for the Empire, and we see through his interactions with some representatives of the Empire that he will do anything um, pretty much to curry the Emperor's favor. He's very, um, almost, I guess you could say, uh, uh, sycophantic about it. Yeah, uh, but he comes off, at least to me, he came off more as opportunistic about it. Okay. Because he he knows, you know, this is a good money source. If I could just get that, 
you know, quote unquote, that contract, that supply right. contract with them, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be um, powerful. I'm going to have prestige position. So, you know, it's it's the um, small time crooks ultimate dream. Right. And I, I found it kind of interesting that dealing with the empire, he would think that that was possible by himself. I mean, he has no weight. No, so I mean, honestly, they could just go in there and take it, which they, you know, do so many other things. I don't see, unless because it's an outer rim planet, um, they don't have the resources out there, so they're just not messing with it. I don't know. I, it didn't make sense to me why the situation was like it was. Right. Yeah. Now, if, you know, if he was part of something and he had, there, there were more people involved, some sort of group of planets or group of companies or something I could see. But if it's dude on a planet that mm-hmm. provides something that the Empire wants, well, then why doesn't the Empire just go in and make it theirs? Uh, you know, exactly. Why, why deal with an intermediary? So, I mean, he's, he's no hut. No, no, absolutely not. No. Uh, who, oddly enough, also are on the Outer Rim. Yes. The huts. All right, moving on to issue two. We find out that Chewie and Zaro have uh, brainstormed a plan. Actually, it's more Zaro's plan than Chewie's, as yeah. far as we can tell, to uh, rescue her dad and the, the other miners there. We also, which I thought was very interesting, find out that Chewie is claustrophobic. Yes, and we find out why. So... Uh, staying staying in the Millennium Falcon, I thought that was kind of odd. I mm, I don't think it's that type of claustrophobia. I think it's the one that triggers his memories. That memory, okay. The yeah, you know I, that that type of claustrophobia. It's like wow, I'm claustrophobic. So let me get in a little ship. You know, it's like being claustrophobic and getting getting submarine duty here on Earth. And there, there are there are different levels of it. I mean, one can get, uh, you know, like in a cave or, or underground, but not in a uh, uh, elevator, or vice versa. People can get in an elevator, but with the thought of being underground, you know, they they panic. So it's it's dependent upon the person. Okay. Okay. Not being uh, really overly claustrophobic. I I don't have that. Actually, uh, because I am. Six foot four. I've always been inclined to liking small places because it makes me feel almost normal rather than some big goober. <laughs> um, let's see. Checking the notes here. <coughs> All right. Um, Zaro gets in. To the caves to tell everyone that uh, what what's going on basically, and part of the overall plan is where we find out that Chewie has a situation where he's claustrophobic. Part of the, his part of the plan, um, he turns out to be claustrophobic, and so it, it puts ultimately him rescuing everybody kind of uh, questionable because if he's not able to execute his part of the plan. Nothing will happen. It, it won't mm-hmm. go down correctly. Right. But he overcomes everything, jumps down into the caves, saves the day. Ultimately, though, at the end of the day, there's a backup plan by Jom and his boys that uh, 
Chewie and Zaro get caught up in that by the look of it and uh, by, by all intents and purposes, uh, Chewie doesn't live through. It's, it's that, that major of an ending to their, their little story. Yep. Issue three, though, starts right up where we left off, and we found, find out that Chewie did make it. Zaro did make it. Maybe, maybe some of the people that they were supposed to rescue did not, but not a significant number. Or it's very possible that there were no significant casualties due to Joms people's um, endgame. Yeah, I don't, I don't. At this point, you you can't really tell. But looking at that explosion, it's oh, small, 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 small nuclear. Yeah. I mean, very low yield, but, I mean, you've got a mushroom cloud, and, and they're a good ways away. So, I mean, like, the size of that and everything is just, that was a really good explosion. So, it's well, it's surprising that, that they did uh, survive, whoever does. Maybe it was more like a 1980s A-Team explosion. Exactly, which is more flame than concussion. Right, right. And, yeah. and no one ever is injured. You know. Well, I mean, actually, if you think about it, and this is going to sound a little geeky, but that does make sense because remember what the material is used for? Not explosiveness, but – Right. So if it goes up, then it's going to be more flash in the pan than concussion. Right, right, right. <clears throat> All right. Um, so everybody the, – the, the plan, uh, as far as it went, ultimately works. The people – are rescued, and you can't see it, guys, but I'm, I'm throwing up the big air quotes. Uh, they're rescued from their circumstance, which is uh, an enslavement of sorts. But the perpetrator of said enslavement, Jom, is, is still out there. He's still free. He's still unpunished. He's still, you know, ho- however you want to put it. So Zaro decides that ultimately the plan is to take take him take Jom off the board. First, the plan was to rescue her people. Yep. So now that that's done, I guess there's a plan sub A, which is t- taking care of of Jom. So he has left planet. Chewie and Zaro go out after him. Yeah, after uh, acquiring necessary items. Yes, yes. Uh, we see that in leaving the planet, Jom both finds out that something hinky is going on on the planet behind him. You know, that these people that he tried to have taken care of were not taken care of. Yeah. And he also calls in, uh, in his mind, he, he calls in a marker and asks the Empire for a favor to send in reinforcements to help him, Jom, re-secure the planet. And now he owes them a favor as well. Right, and yeah, I'm even just, more I'm, reason. Why see, didn't they just go in and take the planet? Exactly, that's, that's why I, I, I mentioned it, because, yeah. okay, now he owes them a favor. Now they've got to come back, they've got to put boots on the ground to help him. What the heck, dude? All right, moving on, issue four here. We find out that uh, Chewie and Zaro have dim- disguised themselves and have snuck into 
an imperially controlled starport to try to hunt down Jom and uh, and secure him. They found out that this is a location that he, at the very least, has been seen recently. Could still be there. So this mm-hmm. is this is where our search will start here in this starport. I got to tell you something funny, real quick. Okay. I go from one panel where they're not in disguise to the next panel where they are in disguise. And when I read it, I was like, who the hell are they? <clears throat> and why are we why are we even seeing, you know, uh, them talking? I mean, I don't I don't get it. It took me another it took me a whole other page before I was like, oh, that's who that is. I feel stupid. So so it even worked on you too, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Is what you're saying. I'm, okay. I'm looking at the I'm looking at the big page that's got them and everyone else and the troopers and I'm like Who why do I even care what they Yeah, why why are we following them? What is this? Well Where, I'll go ahead and read and see. They'll tell yeah. me, I guess, but <laughs> And I, I I was just like, Oh wow, I feel stupid. That, that is pretty funny. Jom has a right-hand man. Uh, his name turns out to be Tyvak. Yes, he's a very scary-looking uh, individual. Yeah, very um, seems like he, he must have some sort of uh, m- military experience, probably. I mean, he even looks the part somewhat. He, he doesn't look like just a tough. Um, he thinks that he is going to go in and uh, take care of Chewie hand-to-hand. His Tyvek's home planet, or actually his race, is uh, turns out that we are told it's Shistavanan. I didn't Google that. I didn't Star Wars wiki it, so I'm not sure if that's <laughs> something we've heard of before or not. I, I didn't either. Off the top of my head, it's not anything I remember hearing. And as far as that taking Chewie out hand-to-hand, he appears to be a normal humanoid. So I'm, I'm not even remotely sure how that was supposed to work. But mm. d- dude felt that he was up to the task, and I, you know, I don't know. He overestimated himself, or he has no familiarity with rookie, Wookiees? Or, uh, I'm no, he, he has very much uh, knowledge of Wookiees because he has been talking about how hard they are to kill and what, you know, you never leave a Wookiee behind. And, you know, so he, he knew exactly what he was going up against. I think he just thinks that his prowess was that, that he could actually take on a Wookiee. Maybe they're supposed to be a ferocious berserker race or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, at the end of issue four, Chewie and Zaro end up being captured and to be interrogated, they are taken taken to a star destroyer that is uh, in orbit around this planet. Did I say what the planet was? Yes, you did at the beginning. It's a, it's the same planet that they. Yeah, it's okay. So, end of issue four. Um, Tyvak, Jom's right hand man, is out of this out of the picture. Jom, pretty much in this same engagement, was taken out of the picture. Chewie and Zaro have been captured by Jom's Imperial allies and taken aboard a Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you have images of that big floating ball with the hypodermic that went after Leah in, in A New Hope. Yeah, or at least I did when I 
saw him get taken up to the Star Destroyer. That's the first image that popped into my head. Yeah, the torture uh, droid. Yeah. Which is funny that you mentioned that. Yes, yes, indeed. Everything is a, is a full circle in Star Wars. It, it yeah. All, you know, they, they, they knit everything up if, if they possibly can. Yep. And I have seen more things uh, pulled into the first Star Wars movie, as far as I can tell, than any of the other six movie, uh, other five movies. You mean from the first movie? Yeah, it it, it wraps into. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A New Hope yep. more than wrapping into. Well, well, no, I mean some. We've read some that take place after the second movie. Well, there were there were some. Uh, so. There were some scenes and some key things that happened when um, Darth Maul entered into the Citadel on Naboo. Right. And there was that flash that Leia had. Right, right. Um, We've seen some references in Darth's book to uh, things in the second trilogy. Mm -hmm, Yeah. On and off. But as far as any single movie, I think Star Wars has been gone back to or things pulled out and knitted into the comic books more than any of the other single movies. Yeah. Again, at least as far as I can remember. Now that, you know, I haven't seen most of these movies for many, many years, so it's hard to say how many small things, uh, Easter eggs they're putting in this book. Uh, I'm, I'm missing cause I just don't remember. Um, I wouldn't, well, I don't know. I haven't seen that many and I recently watched all seven. Oh, you did. That's right. Thanks to you, brother mine. Hey, man, we we got to look out. Yep. Actually, it was for the youngin. She she had to get caught up. She did. I agree. And there's, you know, while while we 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 had one movie left before the day that we went. After we got home from that, we watched that movie because I was like, okay, everything else you've already seen what leads up to what we're going to watch today, so you're fine. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, good. I, I don't think we we uh, had talked about that. The last, you're right. The last that I remember you saying is you had watched five and then went and saw the new one. Yep, and then we came home and watched six. So, oh, okay. Well, cool, cool beans. All right, uh, sorry guys. Little uh, family interaction <laughs> there. You know, that's the kind of stuff brothers do when they talk family. Because, you know, we don't have time or means to do it any other time. No, no, absolutely not. This is the only time we have to do it, so we, we get it in here. Exactly. This is our forced familiar familial conversation. Chewie and Zaro uh, are on the Star, Star Destroyer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, they, they get into a uh, <laughs> almost a, a verbal, uh, like, uh, poker game with... It, it Jom is talking to Imperial representatives. Chewie and Zaro are talking to Imperial representatives. Separately in different locations. Right. Uh, both sides are talking crap about the other side. Mm-hmm. The only saving grace for Chewie and Zaro is that their Imperial representatives are higher on the food chain. Right. They turn out that they get an audience with the actual Star Destroyer whatever he is, captain or commandant or whatever they're called in the Empire. Uh, Whereas Zom is talking to, or Jom is talking to underlings. Yeah, he's talking to like uh, some sergeant or lieutenant or somebody like that. Yeah, yeah. 
So Chewie and Zaro's argument, um, he's the bad guy, wins out. They tell the Star Destroyer captain, we'll call him, that Jom is a rebel, uh, which, of course, to the Empire is a dirty word. Regardless mm-hmm. of what anyone else is doing, uh, if someone is a suspected rebel, they automatically go to the top of the list. Yep. So he um, he diverts his attention. He he really doesn't finish doing anything with Chewie or Zaro. No. He starts hunting for Jom because now this quote unquote rebel he knows is on the ship. So. Um, he needs to find him for several reasons. So his attention goes to that, giving Chewie and Zaro an opportunity to uh, steal a TIE fighter. I believe that was a bomber. Yeah, that's a TIE bomber. Bomber? Okay. Yeah, not a not a TIE fighter, but a, a TIE bomber. Uh, use it to get back to the planet. Zaro turns out to be reunited with her father. Ultimately, um, the Star Destroyer captain stays fixated on Jom, even though one of their TIE fighter bombers is missing. You know, all of this stuff that right. would have had to happen in order for them to get away. The focus stays on Jom. She is reunited with her father and her, her minor peoples. Chewie ultimately ends up going to his home planet. What did you say it was, Levi? Well, the the home planet is Kashyyyk. Okay, I'm not, that's... I'm not sure if this is it or not. I thought I thought they had to uh, be transplanted somewhere else. Oh, did they? Okay, I I'm not, thought I'm this not was, sure. This was the home home planet. It it could be, and I could be thinking of something else. But they're from Kashyyyk originally. Okay, the, the culmination of. Chewie's mission. It's and um, I didn't say this at the at the beginning, but this story takes place uh, or starts taking place. The beginning of this story takes place minutes after Chewie receives his medal at the end of A New Hope. Yes, uh, he does that and takes off on his own mission. So that's that's the time frame we're dealing with here. So he's home. Zaro's home. Uh, I'll say now end of story because I think we have some other thoughts about the story that would be good to insert here. Okay. So that's that's I think the best the best place for it. So huh. uh, first off, every time we talk about books on this podcast, we give an overall rating for all that we talked about. Mm-hmm. For those that are new, the rating is a lightsaber. Yes. It's a blue saber if yep. it was good. It's a red saber if it was bad. For the overall list of books that we have gone over, yes. Yes, yes. We don't we don't break out book by book. Maybe we'll start doing that when we start talking about different titles. But again, everything has been one title, so mm-hmm. um, we could and basically every time it's been like just one storyline. So I was going to say it's a lot of times been you know like a the mini series. So right, yeah. So. Uh, Chewbacca one through five. Levi, do you give it a blue or a red lightsaber? <sighs> because it's an overall, I'm going to have to give it a red lightsaber. Okay. Um, and before I ask you to uh, tell us why, okay, I'll go ahead and throw out that I too 
give it a red lightsaber. Mm, okay. And I think uh, some of our dislikes are going to overlap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe I'm, I recall one thing that I didn't like that you didn't necessarily agree with one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you go first. Why why did you not like the Chewbacca miniseries? Um, the first the the most glaring thing for me was just the absolute lack of knowing of what the heck he was saying. Okay, I understand that you know he speaks Wookie and. You know, that's always the thing in the movies and everywhere else. It's like, you know, he does his roar, his whatever, his, you know, wookiness, and everyone's like, either you know what he's talking about or you don't. But in this, it just, after the first issue, it just got old. I mean, five other issues, and the little girl just talking to him, and, and he makes a sound, and I don't know what you mean, but I'm I'm going to think that you mean this, or I know you mean that, and then there'd be like this whole sentence long thing that he's saying. And you're just like the only one in the universe that can't be translated. And I'm reading the comic on it now. Okay. So that was, that was a little, um, no, that was a lot annoying for me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, the, the other thing was I get them meeting the way they did. And I get Chewie doing what he did to help her out when she was in a tight spot. But the the convincing him to, to help her, the I've got a plan, you just you know do what I say sort of aspect to it when she's, what, 13? Uh, okay, yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Um, it just, the, there were so many glaringly implausible situations that, that it seemed to me that they were just doing these things because they had a type of story in mind that they wanted overall. And so they were forcing the story along instead of it being a natural progression of events that made sense or that flowed. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I know what you mean. Um, So that, and then the, the end really got me with, uh, with them, being captured and convincing the head guy, whoa, whoa, you've got it all wrong. We're not the bad guys here. We're, we came up here to get the rebel. Jom is the rebel. And here, here's proof. And, you know, the proof happens. And instead of doing the thing that would make sense, which would be, okay, let's take everyone into custody because this is the empire. That's what they normally do. Let's take everyone into custody, and we'll sort it out. And if everyone dies, we don't care. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Because we're the Empire, and that's what we do. But no, they convince the dude that they're not the rebels. They convince him that Jom is a rebel, even though he's been working with Jom this entire time. They implausibly get away using a stolen Thai bomber and aren't chased safely land on the planet, safely go about their life. It's just the whole everything was just, I don't believe this. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And that entire page of him talking was annoying, you know? (laughs) Um, Okay. Two two big things for me, uh, reasons that I 
did not like the uh, the miniseries. One is my fault, and one is not. Mm-hmm. The one that's my fault is that I came to the book with expectations, and my expectations were not met. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, that made the book very disappointing for me. Now, mm-hmm. typically, when I do uh, all the, the different types of pop culture that I consume, I try not to go into it with expectations so that I can enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Sequels, prequels, one-offs, whatever it is, I try to just go into it to be entertained for you know whatever period of time it is, and then I leave, and my judgment is, was I entertained or not? And if I was entertained then it was it was worth whatever time or money investment within bounds of course so you know i'm 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 a pretty easy guy to get good marks from this this was not what i wanted from a chewbacca mini series so it it, no. it didn't do it now i think levi to address some of your dislikes about the writing <laughs> my first impression of the book is why, in my opinion, the book was written the way that you were describing, which you said you also did not enjoy that type of writing. Uh, no, I didn't. From the very first page, uh, I don't, I don't remember. Maybe not the first page. Maybe it was the second, uh, at at the farthest. But within the first two pages, I knew that. The 47-year-old male demographic was not the demographic they targeted for the book. No, I mean that – That yeah, you, you knew and, that. Like and you're that was because they introduced a female tweener, and I knew as soon as she was introduced that she was going to be either the protagonist or co-protagonist only because it had Chewbacca's name on the book. Right. You know, you could make a pretty firm argument that she was the protagonist and he was the sidekick. In oh his no! Book. Oh no! I I completely agree. That's that's exactly how this unfolded. And if you look at the the cover that they chose for book one, they have her standing prominently foreground with a larger bust of Chewbacca in the background. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So. That told me that um, this was not the kind of book that I was hoping that it would be. Um, I read it. I enjoyed a few aspects of it. Honestly, I did not enjoy enough aspects of it that I would probably ever reread the the miniseries. No, not unless we had to do another show. Um, I don't know that I really could even recommend it to people. I would. I'll, I'll tell them what it's about. And let them decide, but I don't know that I could say, "Hey, you know, you got to pick this up." Uh, the Lando miniseries, even though I, mm. I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of Lando, yeah, uh, well, but it was better in the five issues for what it gave me than what these five issues were. Oh, well, definitely, yeah, I agree. Entertainment-wise, um, five issues to five issues, Lando was definitely better, but I. I would actually recommend it just for two major things. One, don't miss out on all, all the books coming out, especially right now when we're still pretty much ground floor on the comics. 
Okay, okay, I could see that, okay. Because by the time I got interested in things other than the movies, there was so much out there. Yeah. There were so many novels and so many comics and so many games and so many this and so many that, that it was like you can't catch up. You you can't possibly catch up. You would have had to have started like we're doing right now, right. ground floor, and just keep up. So I will suggest it to keep up. And I also will suggest it because – I really liked the new races that we got to see in these books. Okay. All right. Most most especially the, the two prominent antagonists. I, I really enjoyed and that's that's one thing that I, I, I have enjoyed and it's it's a personal thing. I like seeing alien races and I like seeing what they come up with. And they had they had two good ones on the very yeah, the very first page, second panel, two brand new to me aliens so i was like okay and then it went downhill from there but still <laughs> and they had they had like maybe one or two other like bipedal alien races that were in there too which is cool cuz it it's like one of those i don't know it's like i've been around the galaxy and you know i've i've experienced these races every time i i see one in a comic so i i rack it up now i have experience with them you know what i mean right yeah yeah absolutely yeah you were you were there the first time um and whenever they come up again you'll be able to draw those lines and say exactly you know yeah yeah i got you i got you um so there you go guys there's there's our red lightsabers for the chewbacca um yeah two red lightsabers some some of the fault maybe with us you know some of the fault i think uh as far as both of us think is definitely in the writing um i didn't i didn't really have any problems with the art uh, levi that you you mentioned that you weren't a big fan of the cover art right. noto did the interior art what did was it okay for you i mean did you have the same issues with it um the interior art honestly seemed to be consistent with all the other art except leia Leia's art was consistently poor. I'm not sure if that was a different uh, person or if they just wanted to go a different route with, like, the feel. But this art has been consistent with the art of all the others, and I've enjoyed those. So the internal art I didn't have a problem with. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a – here flipping through issue one, it looks like maybe there's another race uh, here, too, that was – Shown to us as one of the dudes working down in the mine. Yeah, the uh, scaly serpentile, serpentine, serpentile, serpentine-looking one. Yeah, yeah, he. Yep. Uh, that looks like a different face from other than any of the other uh, reptilian races that I remember. It is. So, alrighty. So there we go, guys. This is uh, neither one of us really l liked Leia too much. No. Um, but I will say that I disliked this one more than I disliked Leia? Ooh, that's that's a hard one. Well, think. for me, the biggest issue was that it, it I, I really came into it expecting one thing, and they, I felt that I was, uh, I fell victim to bait and switch, just to be perfectly honest. With this one or the, uh, or with Leia? No, with, with the Chewbacca. Oh, okay. I was going to say, Leia, no. This, yeah, I can definitely see that. Because I, I was never led to believe, and I, I, I read a, a magazine called Previews that tells you what's coming out. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I follow all kinds of comic book and pop culture websites on Facebook and Twitter and uh, toy announcements in my email and stuff. So I've, I know when new stuff is coming out, and I see several write-ups, and you know, I may read them, I may not, whatever. Nowhere did I feel after what I read. Uh, as people laid out what you know, even even just cursory, what the story was going to be about, did did I think that it was going to be directed the way that I felt it was after having read it? Yeah, and and I would have kind of appreciated the heads up because I may have chosen not to read it, which is probably not likely because we're doing this podcast. But right. it certainly would have changed my expectations going into it. They would have been kept very very low. <laughs> Because if I had known, this is not the type of stuff that typically I read. It's it's not, you know, I, I, it, it's not my age group, and and I, I I keep coming back to that because I really think that that's what they were trying to do. Is Disney was going for a what's the name of the icicle princess movie? Frozen. Yeah. They were going for the Frozen market, and they used the big giant teddy bear and the little female tweener to do that. Mm. And and you know th- there's a part of me that's almost insulted that I wasn't told as an adult that that's what it was going to be because none of the other books have been remotely like this in tone. Okay, not in tone, but here's the thing: after Leia, I learned my lesson as well, to not expect anything from these offshoot miniseries because after Leia, and then Lando, and Lando, while I enjoyed. The series that had nothing to do with anything, just like Leia's didn't, and just like this one didn't. Right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So but, the the, the mini series uh, are now just okay. Let's just see what they're going to do. Warrior Chewie and and history the, of his peoples, and you know, I mean, there was the just, there was so much potential. Oh, I know. But they wanted to go. They wanted to go the atypical softer side. Yeah. Okay. Chewie doesn't have a softer side. Okay. Apparently he does. No, they, they, they're wrong. <laughs> you know, this is a creature that will lose a, a, a mental chess game and rip people's arms off. I, I'm not sure that somebody like that can have a softer side. You know, that that's just pretty intense. So, all righty, guys. Uh, next time out, for those of you that are following along, Levi and I are going to be talking about Star Wars, the the Star Wars uh, issue uh, uh, comic issues nine through twelve, and Darth Vader issue twelve. And I believe that after that episode, we will talk about the Vader down storyline because exactly. We will be caught up to that. That's why we're doing these particular books. So. Right. Those those five, right? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Those five are in preparation so we can do the Vader down. Uh, uh, and then some news. Or, some news for those of you that that may not follow things closely. Uh, Kanan has officially been canceled as of the mm, April issue, I think, issue fifteen. I think Aww. will be the last issue of Canaan. That's too bad. But starting in April, I don't know if it's intentional to coincide or not, but mm. starting in April will be an ongoing starring Poe Dameron. 
and that I'm hoping and see I'm going into it, I, but I'm, I know. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, dude. Uh, uh, coming out of the movie uh, mm-hmm. with just what word of mouth was about the character, it's yep. like, oh, you can do so much with that. Come on, <laughs> Br- bring that. Come on. Yeah, and uh, but I like I like the fact that they have waited. Well, will have waited as long as they are going to to do anything concerning uh, a character in the new movie. Uh, sure, Th- this will be well uh, a no. new character. Yeah, it won't be the first really direct tie-in because before that, the C-3PO one-shot is supposed to fall that will tell us the story of his red arm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, can I not say that? Nope. Oh, is that a spoiler? A little bit. Oh. Hey, guys, if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> don't listen. C-3PO has a red arm. Uh, and so, uh, so that will actually be the first real connection Um we talked about the Shattered Empire miniseries, and it was kind of a maybe uh, a lead-in or a filling in some gaps, kind of or something like that. You, it, it wasn't. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, which was a lead-up to the characters in the movie. I don't even know why they did that series. Yeah, I, honestly, I'm not sure either, unless it was some sort of um, copyright issue that they wanted to do. I guess. But, uh, it was an interesting series, uh, but it yeah. didn't help me at all with the new movie. <laughs> no, it was very – it was tied in via the dropping of one name maybe a couple times. Yeah. And that one name was a character in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and, and that was really the only connection between the two. And that was kind of a – well, maybe even. I mean it wasn't a, a hard and fast – you know, this is the person's name, and that person is the exact same person as this one. It yeah. was like, well, um, and then even when you watch the movie, there was no reference to any of the other peoples in the Shattered Empire miniseries. Nope. So the reference went loosely, very loosely, in one direction. It mm-hmm. was not tied in both. So. Uh, so C-3PO, and then, yeah, this Poe Dameron will will definitely be a – this will be a hard tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um, no word that I've seen as far as where we pick up Poe's story um, See, in I'm relation to movie time. So. Yeah, I'm hoping it's post-movie. Um, yes, but, I mean, I could also see them using it as an opportunity to do some pre-stuff also. Mm-hmm. How he got to be? Yeah. What, why what is he you, looked at the way he's looked at? Yeah. Because that would those would have to be some killer stories. Because oh yeah, you know they would. People people spoke of him in a particular way, and you're like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I to, want to see to earn that title. It's like really. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Alrighty, guys. If you want to uh, leave us some feedback. Uh, we haven't heard anything from our listeners about Leia. You know, I don't know. Maybe you guys didn't read it. Maybe you don't uh, feedback, whichever. Somebody give us some thoughts on Chewbacca. Um, especially, I would like to hear some things concerning some of the stuff that I said. Because what I've said is kind of hardcore and perhaps not necessarily the most politically correct. Not that I intended it that way, but this is an opinion show, and, and there you go. So... You know, if if anybody 
particularly if anybody takes offense at what I said, let me know why. Let me know why you think I was wrong if, if you think I was wrong. If you think I was right, well, don't worry about it because I know I'm right, so it, you don't have to explain why you thought I was right. But you know, if, if you disagree, tell, tell me why. I, I'd be interested in hearing my mind can be changed. Um, in this particular instance, it might take a little bit, but it could be. So it would be cool if the writer uh, got in, who was this, Jerry Dugan, uh, mm-hmm. and said, hey, you know, this is what I meant. And, you know, if I'm off base, then obviously I'm off base, because if that's what he meant and that's not what I got, well, that's on me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, really, <laughs> you're, you're going to tell the writer? Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, so he, he'd be like, uh, no, no, I meant this. Well, no, you didn't. <laughs> yeah, really. So, you know, absolutely, I could I could be convinced if, if I'm wrong. Uh, so to do that, to get that input to us, you can leave a comment on BigTimeNoise.com slash Star Wars. That's the website. On Twitter, you can tweet Teal Productions. might be a little harder to get into really a conversation at 140 characters a pop, but hey, we'll give it a try. Hey, that's going to change soon anyway, so... Uh, no, no, I don't think it will. Star Wars The New Era has Facebook and Google Plus pages. Mm-hmm. We have some fans that pretty consistently will say something somewhere on those two pages, just to, their their method of interacting, perhaps not big, long kind of things, but just drop us, you know, hey, we like the show, uh, listen to it. Hey, way to fix those audio problems you were having, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. And then the email address, if you want all the time and space that you need to construct and conduct an argument, a new Star Wars era at gmail.com will get it to us. So any feedback we get, we'll be more than happy to share, um, provided you don't tell us not to share. I, I can exactly. understand perhaps some things you just want between us and you, and you don't want it for public, public uh, uh, dissemination. So that's cool. Otherwise, if nothing is said, now we will, uh, even to the point that you know maybe we'll leave out certain parts of the email that are more personally directed than others. Um, uh, email, the gist or summations or things like that, we'll always do at the very least. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so that's it. Star Wars and Darth Vader next time. Levi, anything else that you want to add? No, sir. Alrighty, guys. We out for another, I don't know, time until we sit down and record this again exactly because we're not sure what that time frame will be but just watch the feed you'll see the show when it pops up on there we'll talk to you guys again then star wars the new era is a teal production and as such is licensed under a creative commons attribution non-commercial non-derivative 3.0 unported license Music provided by freemusicarchive.org. Thank you.